This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, 7.06 a.m. on Tuesday, the 7th of March. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Chong Jensen and Wong Xiaoning. In half an hour, we're going to discuss the landmark international treaty to protect the high seas that was agreed upon by UN members over the weekend. Uh, but as always, let's recap how global markets closed overnight. U.S. markets were mixed. The Dow and S&P 500, they were both up by 0.1%. Nasdaq down by 0.1%. Asian markets were also mixed. The Nikkei was up by 1.1%. Hang Seng up by 0.2%. Shanghai Composite down by 0.2%. Straits Times Index up by 0.2%. And the FBM KLCI, it was down by 0.1%. For some insights into what's moving international markets, we speak to Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management. Good morning, Joe. Now, a raft of economic data will be released in the U.S. this week, from factory orders to non-farm payrolls. Which do you think are the more important ones that are going to inform what the Fed does in terms of future monetary policy direction? Well, I think the big one's going to be the employment numbers report on Friday because of that blowout number we saw in January. So there's a lot of anticipation about just how strong the labor market is. And if we get another big, strong number, um, you're probably going to have 50 basis point hike you know, in the market pining for. So, And another key will be how much of a re- revisions will we see in January as well. So the Fed is keyed in on the, the employment numbers. So Friday's the big day. And Joe, after the U.S. Fabry Services PMI outperform forecast, the ISM survey on Friday described companies as mostly positive about business conditions. Is this a sign that the real economy is not as concerned about inflation as the Fed is? I mean, to a degree, because you're seeing a lot of these service activities, you know, entertainment, hotel, leisure, restaurants, they're coming back big time. Um, I was, just came out of an airport, you can barely move. Um, and we're getting the workers back, too. Um, so I think, you know, the services side of the equation is still pretty robust. Manufacturing is slowing down a bit. But I think, you know, the services is pointing to just more open activity, particularly like the, that, as I said, travel, hospitality, leisure, entertainment. It's booming. Okay, meanwhile, Joe, if you look at the market, right, it really isn't going anywhere. A lot of listless trading. So from your perspective, what are the, the you know, what, what is the catalyst that's going to move markets either up or down that we should be paying attention to? Um, yeah, it's a good question. We have been treading water. I mean, we got a lot of Fed speak. I, think, I wish some of these Fed governors would just stop speaking to confuse the markets. <laughs> Uh, they say one thing, you know, one guy says one thing and one woman says another, so it's confusing uh, investors. You know, technology's had a good run, small cap. You know, energy's been frustrating. We're overweight when energy is not working. So, you know, to me, I really think, you know, it's more small cap. Um, and, you know, I think technology still has legs to run here. So, I, you know, AI, and I'd be careful with the AI craze. You know, when, it, when, when everyone goes crazy about a student fad, certain fad or something, just be careful there. But AI is all the craze right now, so be careful in that space. And if we take a look um, over in ASEAN, uh, Joe, the Asian Development Bank is projecting a growth rate of 5.5% for ASEAN in 2023. Which Southeast Asian countries do you think will be driving this growth? And what's your projection about Malaysia's performance? Well, you know, Malaysia is my hometown favorite, so I got to go with Malaysia. Uh, you know that. Um, you know, it's going to be travel, tourism, agriculture. You know, Malaysia's got semiconductors. Um, we like Singapore. We're seeing a lot of 
Chinese capital come down that way, as well as personnel travel. So, you know, I think the ASEAN story, I think you could do better than 5.5%, honestly, uh, with China reopening, Europe avoiding recession, and the U.S. and China avoiding some type of big, big, big major trade war. I think you can do better than 6%. And Joe, China set a GDP growth target of around 5% at the weekend's two sessions meeting. Would you agree that this seems to be on the more conservative side, or is it a realistic figure given the current global economic conditions? I think it's realistic. Remember, there's nothing wrong with 5% real growth when you've got an economy the size of China. I mean, it's like $15, 16000000000000 trillion. So 5% real growth is nothing to sneeze at. Um, so to me, I think China, you know, just arithmetically speaking, they're just, they can't produce 5% growth anymore. It's just not attainable. But that target, to me, is, is, is very good for the global economy. It should be good for commodity exporters. You're part of the world, ASEAN. you got to get the Chinese consumer back out there spending and traveling. That's coming. So 5% is very realistic, and you know, I'm glad they didn't shoot for anything higher. Yeah, but what do you think the headwinds are for the um, for the Chinese market, though? Because they are trying to transition, right, towards a consumer-based economy. But at the same time, you've got all these geopolitical tensions. How how best to invest in China, then? That's a good question in the sense that the property market, the provinces, the banks, mm. real estate, that's a big component of that Chinese wealth and that consumption. And that's a drag right now. I mean, there's a lot of Chinese consumers licking their wounds over lower real estate prices. That holds back growth. So they've got to kind of reconcile and work that way through. We like the luxury brands, the airlines, the big high-end travel leisure companies that are going to leverage, you know, I think, kind of better than expected earnings out of that opening of China, more mobility travel, not necessarily cars or, or you know, kind of beverages, but more travel and leisure services and luxury brands. And they've already, the, the bad news, a lot of these companies leverage the Chinese growth story. They've already run up, but we still like them. Okay, then, Joe, if you look at just global markets, right, it's a confusing picture because you would imagine that European markets are doing badly because, yes, definitely slow down there. But the CAC 40, up 14%, DAX, up 12%. And then in the US, you've got NASDAQ up 11%. But in Asia, where the growth story is, growth is a bit more tepid at about 4% for, those, for the Hang Seng Index on a year-to-date basis. All this is performance data. What do we make of markets, Joel? Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't bet that the CACs is going to be up 14% you know, by mid-year. That'll give some of it back. I think what you're seeing investors buy a lot of big value names. So when you want to buy value, you're buying, you know, old traditional companies in Europe, big big companies here in the United States. Tech has just had its run. I think there's a lot of speculative, like retail money there. But you know, your part of the world is more of a growth story. So you know, we need clarity on U.S. growth. I mean, if U.S. can, can avoid a recession, Europe runs a recession. You want to be tilted towards growth, and that's more towards your part of the world. But right now, I think investors are just taking comfort in cash, bonds, and, and value. Joe, thanks very much for the chat. That was Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management, giving us some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead.
Yeah, I think the most important data he thinks that one should monitor is the US employment data, which comes out this Friday. And if we look back at the January data, I think the numbers really surprised on the upside. I think it was three to four times what the market was expecting. So if the numbers continue to surprise on the upside, he thinks that that could possibly be a 50 basis points hike when the Fed meets again. Yeah, in the meantime, when you find markets are very confusing, Joe's reason for that is because investors are crowding in cash bond and value stocks. And if you look at value stocks, it tends to be very much in the big uh, indices, so the European indices and even in America, which is why at this current moment, those indices are looking better than the Asian indices on a year-to-date basis. But if you want the growth story, Asia is it. That's right. He was very bullish on Asia and also on ASEAN. Um, But just very quickly, he did mention that uh, he wasn't too thrilled with all the uh, comments coming out from the Federal Reserve governors. We do know that uh, the the chief, Jerome Powell, will be speaking before Congress this week. So we are going to get some more uh, rhetorical signals from him before the week is out. I'm sure everybody's going to be parsing through his speech with a magnifying glass just to make sense of what he's trying to convey to markets and the economy. It's like Reading tea leaves, right? Exactly. Like looking at his face, every expression, what does it mean? You know, looking at the same word 15 times and trying to hope that it'll be something new from that word. Just depending on how the light shines on, on the <laughs> on the glass, you know, is it half full, half empty? What is what does this mean? Uh that's that's the uh that's the deal. Um everyone's looking to see whether the next re- Fed rate hike will be twenty-five bips or fifty bips. Um what's the terminal rate? Is it five point four, five point six percent? Who knows? It's a magical number. It's a moving target, folks. A moving target. In any case, let's take a look at some of the uh, corporate headlines that have caught our eye this morning. We have one coming from Tesla. Guess what? They are going for another sale. Tesla is cutting prices on its two most expensive electric vehicles in the U.S. in a bid to stoke demand for its cars. So the price cuts are Tesla's fifth adjustment since the start of the year, and they range from 4% on the performance version of the Model S to 9% on the more expensive Model X. The Model S and X, which comes in a base all-wheel drive and performance plate editions, represented about 4% of Tesla's global deliveries in 2022. Its two cheaper models, the Model 3 sedan and Model Y crossover, made up the rest. So Mars is doing this as it's in terms of bringing down prices to actually drive demand. And that has seen a success in sparking orders with global discounts, which was introduced in January. Okay, so Model S and X, only about 5% of Tesla's vehicle deliveries last year. So I think changing pricing is not going to make a big... big, That's a tiny amount, right? 5%? Yeah, a big effect on the company's bottom lines and even the EV market dynamics. But it is consistent with his comments... Uh, made during Investor Day. Remember those that four-hour-long meeting where uh, investors were held hostage to Musk and his 16 other executives about squeezing expense, about you know growing market share. My only consideration or my thought about this is that if you're going to buy a car and you know the prices are going to come down, will you still buy that car or will you wait? Mm. Does that create... Um, anxiety among existing buyers who think, hmm, my, you know, I bought that car a week ago. It's automatically 5% cheaper. On top of the depreciation of at least 10% from the minute I roll it out of the showroom, how much have I lost in terms of value? Would I still want to buy this car then? 
I guess it depends on whether they think that uh, there'll be more price cuts in the future or not, yeah? And um, this is the gamble that uh, Tesla is taking at the moment. Um, if you want to hear more highlights from uh, Tesla's Investor Day, we did uh, get an assessment from Dan Ives, Managing Director at Wedbush Securities, last week. You can look up the podcast title, Tesla's Investor Day Fails to Thrill Investors. Well, at the moment, still 28 buys, 14 holds, 6 sells. Consensus target price for the stock, 210 US dollars. Last time, price actually down almost 4 US dollars to 193 US dollars and 81 cents. And guys, you can buy a Tesla soon here in Malaysia too. They set up office, right? I'm going to be interested to see what kind of models they're going to launch here, what kind of pricing. And apparently it's going to be different because it's going to be dealer to customer. Sorry, car company to customer. You know, there's no in-between middleman, no dealer. So did they get a waiver from the APs? Lots of details waiting to be disclosed on that front. 7.18 in the morning. We're heading into some messages and we'll come back with more top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.